It's the Wokeast, and you have to take a listen Full of insight that you may be missing in the Wokeast Always giving you the blueprint, different interviews Plus bringing you exclusives, the Wokeast We provide you with the coverage, gym to the cage Worldwide, we got you covered with the Wokeast If you snooze, you lose For all your MMA news and views, it's the Wokeast Powered by WoTV.com With your host, Michael Morgan and Mike Stig Wokeast Always making trouble Mother lovers <laughs> Hi Michael Morgan, welcome to this week's episode of the Wokecast Joining me as always, my co-defendant My right arm The Batman to my Robin It's my Stiggy Nah man, I'm the Robin, you're the Batman I do the Robin, you do the Batman man. Nah. The Batman is Robin <laughs> You remember that track? What's going on man, how you been? Ah, uh, mate, not as busy as you. I have to say, I can lay this squarely in your corner. This is the reason why we were delayed. My man is going on on, on some kind of like 50 cent uh, churning out hits after hits vibe. You have been really busy. I've just seen like the slew of hits storming my Twitter timeline right now. You, you know what I'm saying? We put it down. You know what I'm saying? It's 50 cent. That's my best impression. I can't do it. I can't say anything else apart from, you know what I'm saying? In a 50 cent voice. But no, I've just been... um. I think it's just, I've been triggered, Mike. You know, it's that time to let people know about what's going on. My Stiggy is here. People might try and forget, but I'm going to make sure they remember this big, shiny forehead. You know what I mean? Incredible. Well, speaking of uh, letting people uh, or reminding people of uh, certain individuals lining up uh, to actually sit in the hot seat on this week's episode is Brad Pickett, Mike Ekendeo, and... Dominic, Black Panther Wooding. Without his uh, Black Panther get-up, I have to say, um, it's a little bit of a disappointment. Having uh, joined him earlier in the changing rooms, man was just in his boxer shorts, but never mind. Okay, so joining us, first up, is Brad Pickett. You know, we were here, we're in Titan Gym right about now, and we were here not too long ago, speaking to the guy after his retirement fight, and he was said he's happy, he's done with it. You know, we, we did let you in on a little secret, we saw him hitting pads before that talk, and he sure didn't look like he was done with it. And now, it's confirmed, you're back, sir. I, I back. <laughs> I have to say, people may not have cottoned on they may not have got the exclusive that we actually dropped a few episodes ago. When you were in the gym, I said to you at the time, you looked fight ready. You looked as though you'd be able to jump in. That mentality obviously had permeated every single training session because now you are back. You're on ACB's August show. Am I right in thinking that in your mind, you were already thinking of that comeback when we spoke to you? Because it seemed that way. Um, I, I'm trying to work out where, how long this was it wasn't like overnight decision definitely not I had to have speak to a lot of friends family my wife and stuff like that it wasn't a, it was an easy decision obviously after the send off I had uh, it was you know it was really touching and stuff like that so it, in, a, in a weird way I didn't want I, in a weird way that kept me away for such a good send off I had but um, 
when I retired from the sport, it wasn't really, for most people retired through injury, like Michael Bisping just retired, his eyes hanging out and stuff like that, so he, he has to retire. I wasn't forced to retire through injury. I just kind of fell out of love of the sport a little bit, where I, towards the end of my career, had, had three fights in five months. I was in America all the time, away from my my, my, my son, buddy, my, my dog, and my wife, that order. Um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so like yeah, so it was it was just tough, and it became like a real job to me, and it just wasn't fun. Uh, and it was the right time for me to walk away. Since walking away, I've really enjoyed coaching here at Team Tyne, and you know I think the team is the strongest it's ever been. You know we're all pulling together, we're all doing really well, uh, and. Um, part of me in a way, in a way it kind of really a little bit of a fire in me. Uh, not just that, is an obviously. I see myself now as a, as a businessman. You have to see where money's coming in here and there. I'm not fighting because I need the money. Far from it. I'm doing well at the moment. I don't have to fight for money. But when someone offers you a bit of money and you turn your you turn your you're like, hey, up, what? What you say? I'm like, all right, I could do that. And uh, so now I'm in a way. I I'm not looking at this, doing this for for my family. I'm, I'm a businessman, you know, and. I say I've been retired a year and a half. I'm a very active coach. I've always been involved in the training. And training, don't get me wrong, is different where before I had to train when I was fighting, but now I can train when I want to and stuff like that. But I'm still a very competitive person. So I love just love jumping in and rolling around with these guys and stuff like that and helping out where, where I can. And like I say, we have, a, we have an absolute bunch of killers here now. So yet again, a big part of me coming out, I don't need to go away to America to train. I have... A great team behind me here, and I believe I have everything I need here to uh, do really well and uh, re motivate myself. And like I say, a happy man's a dangerous man, and over here I'm very happy. Speaking of killers, I'm guessing that they're not going to throw you in with a shark straight away in ACB. I, I gather, or I imagine, considering you are going to be on the um, August card, that there is a well, there's a short list of people who are actually queuing up to fight Brad Pickett. Now, kind of, I'm looking, I'm, I'm looking for, for an insight here. Um, I mean, obviously, Alex Lahore has been doing the rounds on Twitter. I've just had a look at that this morning, but I take it, considering that there's obviously a disparity in terms of the weight category, it won't be Alex Lahore. But can you give us an insight, though, into, you know, who or what names are actually on the table right now? Um, well, to be honest, for me, I was lured out of retirement. It, with uh, Mizugaki being on the end of the string for me, because I thought, yeah, again, that that that's a fight for me that made sense. I asked for that fight a few times in the UFC, never really happened. He's out of the UFC, he's fighting an ACB. I signed for ABC, ABC with that him in in mind to fight. That apparently now has not happened either. He's fighting elsewhere, or doesn't want to fight. Doesn't really matter. Uh, but yeah, again, I'm not stupid. I've been there, done that before, where. I was competition driven where I wanted to fight the best guys in the world and, and, you know, get to number one in the world. And that's all I was before. I was driven getting to the UFC and trying to get to top 10, top five, try and get a title shot and be number one in the world. I've been there, done that, wore that t-shirt. Now it's just a case of me being involved in a few exciting fights and earning a bit of money from my family. You know, that I'm not as, I don't need to fight some young Sambo world champion, Dagestani guy, Maggie Magomedov, you know, who's, you know, like six and one, but like had 50 Sambo fights against bears. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not 
kind of like, I don't need to do that. You know, I just want to be involved in an exciting fight. And everyone knows me fighting. I'm involved in good fights no matter what. So, um, yeah, so I'm just doing this for my, for my fans and uh, and uh, my, my friends and my family. And I just want to be involved in a good fight. And I, I love ACB. Um, I chose ACB. I had Bellator sniffing around as well. They made me a few offers. But for me, Bellator, like I say, it's too... It's very too close to the UFC in my eyes. Where I'm not saying ACB is not. I think ACB is a massive show, but then I don't think it's a, a direct competitor with the UFC where Bellator is. And I think it would have been a massive slap in the face. So that's why I chose ACB. I'm very happy with them. I, I, I think ACB are doing some fantastic signings all around the world, and they're getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, I have uh, a few guys at IGM with fine ACB, and I love what they do. And also. I have very good connections with the UFC. I'm I'm good friends with the matchmaker and the the, the co-promoter in Brian Lacey. You know, so it just made sense. Fight fight with some friends and get paid. And it also, it sounds like it's a lot easier now that you don't really have to travel as much to the states and whatnot. Is that a big part of why you're like, okay, yeah, I'll do it? It is. It's a massive part. Like I say, we have a very strong team here now where I don't need to go away and train. I could train here with some fantastic guys. Just need to sort my, 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 my training schedule out here, which I have done. And uh, yeah, it's just like a case of like, <laughs> weird analogy, but having a real like antique race car, you know. You don't take it out. He doesn't need to do a thousand miles. He just needs to go out every now and again put the foot down and see if it still works and that's it so I just don't need to go crazy and put the hours in and smash my body up I just need to make myself make sure I, I'm in shape get in shape I have the knowledge and uh, the ability to, to do well so just want to get myself in shape is there also like part of because obviously you know the ending like you said the when you when you said goodbye to everyone that was a big ending and it's like okay I can't really come back after all of that but also you didn't get to win that last fight either it, was that part of it as well? Was it like, that was a nice ending, but you know what? I'd rather it on my terms. Was there any of that involved? Honestly, not really. Um, like I say, with my send-off I had, it's like, in, in, in last year, I look at this like this. It's like, it's like getting married, inviting everyone to your wedding, having a massive party, yeah, and then getting divorced in a week and then coming back, you know, like, and expect everyone to come again. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm, obviously, don't get me wrong, I, I I I would never do a massive retirement again, if that makes sense. You know, like, I've had my retirement thing. Uh, uh, but, you know, I, I'm coming back. I'm, I do think about everybody else. Always, I've always been that kind of person. I always care what, what the public thinks. At the moment, I, I'm in a position where I'm like, F him, fuck him, I don't give a shit anymore. I'm doing this for me and my family, you know. F everyone else thinks, you know, like... Uh, they don't know what's going on in my head and why I'm doing things. And uh, end of end of the day, you know, YOLO, you only live once. You know, <laughs> so so like I still could do it. My my body feels good, you know. And yeah, so why not? You know, part of the motivation and uh, in terms of the catalyst for your return must have been Nathaniel Wood and how dominant and the impression that he's made so far in the UFC. Would you say that as kind of like added some kind of impetus, some kind of like catalyst to actually, um, well, urging you to return. And just on that, just a two-part question, would you say that there is sort of a hit list which, um, which Nathaniel was actually going through, which is sort of like people who you've actually fought before, and shouldn't he be forging his whole own path? So first off, just on the catalyst being 
Nathaniel Wood? Uh, the first part being, being Nathaniel Wood is it, oh, first part of me fighting again. Uh, obviously, being in the gym where all your guys are doing really well, it does bring your confidence up. So if, if you're tr training with guys who are getting beat left, right, and center, and you're like, oh, this sucks. No. But if you're training with guys who are beating everybody around, around you're like, man, I'm training with a bunch of killers and I'm doing well against these guys in the gym. Of course, it's going to build you up as well. So, yes, that's what one part of it. But uh, with Nathaniel and his path, um, all, I'd always say you never try and walk in another man's footsteps because you go lead in the same way. But I do like what Nathaniel's doing. It's just it's a bit of bit of fun. It's a bit of a uh, bit, bit of uh, like you know tongue and cheek sort of thing, making a bit of noise. And there's some fights that I've had that I think stylistically he'll do really well against. You know, like so yeah. Sometimes it, it's it's nice to cause a bit of, a bit of noise. He's not doing it really in a disrespectful way. He's just doing it in a, a bit of a funny way. He's doing it like I'm gonna revenge my master's losses, which I I'm all for it. I don't care, you know. I find it kind of like funny, yes. you know, and so does he. he he's very tongue-in-cheek when he's doing it, you know. Uh, but, you know, obviously, um, uh, what do call it, Cheeto Vera a bit hard, you know, <laughs> like, he's a bit really hard uh, about it, and uh, it's quite funny, and to it's quite funny watching them two go out. I want to get involved, but I'm like, no, I've got to stay out of this, let them, you know, let them, let them deal with it. And, uh, yeah, I'd love to have that uh, I, you know, sent a message to Shelby, hopefully it, we can get that fight going on. I mean, realistically, considering that this will be his second fight, you see, I put it out there that I would quite like to see, just sticking with Nathaniel Wood just for a second, I would quite like to see him versus Tom Dukenwald. That is a fight, basically, that should have happened years ago. This is a fight I think would kind of like set the cage alight in terms of their styles. I'd realistically like to see that happen before anything else. How about yourself? Um, I'd like to see that fight happen, but it's like one of those ones, there's so many people in that in that division you, you can fight, you know. Um, I like the Duke of my fight. I saw him fight it on the... <laughs> I'll tell you what, I saw him fight it on the London card and it made me want to come and retire, man. I'm like, mate, I'd smoke you. You know, like, without being disrespectful, I wasn't impressed one bit, you know. Like, he's looked really well on the local scene in Bama, but since being in the UFC, he hasn't really done it for me, to be honest. Um, he, uh... And that's what I mean. You look a bang for your buck. There's a lot of hype around him sort of thing so if Nathaniel you know beats him that'd be great for him but him or Cheetah Rivera or whatever like that you know I think stylistically Nathaniel beats both of those guys that, um, I like I like the story of him you know I'm gonna beat all my masters foes you know I really like that story because it's like it gets people like oh is he gonna do it or is he not you know what I mean and I guess, I guess other people are interested like as in when there's any kind of beef or any kind of chat automatically, without the UFC getting involved, it brings one set of fans involved and another set of fans involved. And that's already creating interest. Once there's interest elsewhere, it's easier for a promoter to put that fight on. So, yeah, I think it's clever, kind of, by people. It is, some people are about that. I was never about that in my career. I always kept myself to myself. But, uh, you know, but, but it, it, it is a different angle, which I, I find a lot of the younger generation now are using. Uh, and... It, it's business-wise, it makes sense. He gets fights. Yeah, I think it's smart as well because it kind of guarantees that he's always going to have some opponent to look, you know, to look for next as well. So that's quite pretty big. So who are you fighting then in ACV? Do you know yet? Uh, not yet, not yet. I was, I was, I was trying to fight Mizugaki. Doesn't look like it's going to materialize. So there's been a few names handed out, sort of thing, and uh, trying to work it all out as we speak. You know. 
like I understand that for you, it's just like, yeah, I'm coming back to fight. I don't really care. But is there any sort of pressure at all, considering you know UFC caliber fighter now fighting in ACB? As you've mentioned, some fighters are not, you know, up to scratch once they move into a bigger um, organization. But you're moving into a smaller one. So is there any pressure at all? Like, right, I better not lose this, boy. You know? No, not really. I think people will get really clouded by the UFC bubble where there's some f real talented fighters all around the world fighting in different organizations. It, it, I mean, it doesn't make a difference if you're UFC, KFC or whatever, you know, like there's some real talented fighters out there and obviously don't wrong, everyone's goal is to get to the UFC, but there's a lot, mate. If you've been watching ACB, there's absolute killers in that in that right so like so yeah, I even I have to be careful stepping into those waters you know like that I pick the right sort of matches because like I say I'm not I'm not driven now to f test myself like I'm a young buck you know I want to be a bit a bit clever and be involved in don't get me wrong good and competitive fights but you know like I'm not here to prove a point I, I've been there done that you know just finally just before we wrap up having sat in on one of your um weight cutting exercises and Comparing it mentally from what I've seen to what Darren Till went through, to be honest with you, there wasn't an awful lot that was different. What do you think of the actual early weigh-ins now being changed to uh, basically, well, evening weigh-ins or mid-afternoon weigh-ins? Do you think there's any advantage or disadvantage towards keeping things as they are? Well, well, well. For me, the way wake up with how they've done it, it actually benefited me. You know, because I used to cut most of my weight the night before and a little bit in the morning, and then have to hang around till four o'clock the next day to, to weigh in. So for me, the new early morning weigh-ins worked out for me because I won't be dehydrated for as long. Where it's been causing a lot of people problems is a lot of people you leave it to the day to cut their weight because they don't they want to have a good night's sleep sort of thing. So what they do, they just wake up in the morning and then run out of time and the rush the rush against the clock and when you start rushing against the clock uh you get stressed and when you're stressed you could stop yourself from sweating so that's what happens people just run out of time you know so for me i used to cut a lot of my weight the night before and uh and then um and then uh what do you call it just cut a little bit in the morning and make weight so for me you know but for me, everyone, everyone, everyone cuts weight in different ways. We, we have someone like, uh, it's not, Elephant's not the king in the jungle. It's not always about cutting weight. We have a, a, a guy at our gym called Asher Grimshaw. He's very good where he just keeps his weight down all year round. So he, he, he's ready to fight a job of a hat, you know. And, you know, he, he's on top of his diet all year round where a lot of fighters nowadays, they, they train for a fight and then they blow up and just get disgustingly out of shape and then come back where... There's always going to be a road back to any fight. They just make that road a lot longer for them. Where you know, if you just stay, don't get me wrong, just have a, a get your have a life change to sustain your life where you don't get grossly out of shape in between fights. You know, then then it shouldn't be a problem. Yeah, I was just going to ask because you said about cutting weight um, and you do it the night before. Because I've always wondered how would that work then for the morning one? Do you have to get up at like six in the morning or whatever? So you cut weight beforehand, and then when you're sleeping though, does it affect you in any way, or did you just you became used to slightly being slightly dehydrated? Well, what I would do, I, I would cut most of my weight the night before. Just for example, say I cut like eight pounds the night before, and I had like maybe altogether I had like ten to 12 to do whatever i'll cut like most of it the night before i'll go go to bed and have a little drink 
of what I uh, to go to bed with, you know, just to, and technically whatever I drunk, like say I drink like about a pound, I, I wake up in the morning and I pee that pound out, and then I have whatever I went to bed to lose. So I normally had like a couple of pounds to do in the morning. I just do that in the bath and then, then I'd weigh in. Where well, I'd easily be able to weigh in early, but then I'd just have to hang around till frigging four o'clock. You know, with all the, everything going on in the UFC regarding the weight cut, for them to allow people to be dehydrated for that long, it's nuts, I've got a few ways they, they, they should help with weight cutting and stuff like that. One, they should include more weight classes. It should be uh, a weight class every 10 pounds. So it should be 135, 145, 155, 165, 175, 185, 195. That, that's how I think it should be every 10 pounds. So you'd get rid of 170? Yeah, it should be 165, 175. Yeah, 185. There already is 185 anyway. They should have more weight class like that. And two, if you wanted to do that, what you should do is you make a weight class and you can't be more than 10 pounds the next day of that weight class. So if I weigh in at 135, I can't be more than 145 the next day. You'll stop people with drastic weight cutting. And I guess like, because if they're allowing heavyweights to have such a, you know, you can be what, uh, 226 or 227 and then some, you could be fighting someone else. They might as well allow that within weight class. You got to think my small weight class is not a massive difference, but you look at the weight classes between 155 to 170, 15 pounds, then 185 to 205 is 20 pounds. They're massive jumps, you know. So you could be on a real small end of that scale where you're a small 185 pounder, or you could be a frigging huge 185 pounder. You know, that is a big difference, you know. Did you did you have to work out what was the best technique for you in terms of cutting weight or? Did someone go, yo, do this, and it and it worked, and you stuck with it? Well, I, I kind of grew with the sport. When I first started fighting, I was fighting at like 66 kilos, and I was weighing 62 kilos walking around. There wasn't those weight classes around for me. I just got to learn about uh, weight cutting, traveling over to America when I started meeting Mike Brown and all that sort of stuff. And, and then when I saw him, and he says, oh, I mean, what weight do you fight? He goes, 66 kilos. And I'm like, what? You fight... He fired 145, and I'm looking at him, and he's just jacked. And I'm like, well, what's going on with me? I, you know. So, like, yeah, so it, 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 was, it was an eye-opener. Obviously, it was never been a part of our sport over here, weight cutting. In America, they weight cut uh, for, for wrestling all the time, so it became a massive part of their sport. And even now, when you see any, most American fighters are very good at cutting weight, and it's a part of their culture where... Yeah, yeah, it's part of their culture. It's sort of used to it. Where over here, it's not such a big thing, but it's, people are getting used to it. But uh, it's always going to be an issue. You, you, yeah, always going to be. You know, you're going to you're going to upset some people, uh, and no matter what you do. Yeah, because it's so weird the mix. You know, when Dana's like, yeah, yeah, we're finishing this, and then people go, what are you talking about? And like, what? So it's really weird, man. But yeah, I'm looking forward to see you back in there, bruv. Thank you, thank you. I'm looking forward to it too. Keep us updated, man. Brad, so the date has obviously been finalised, even though the opponent hasn't. Where and when and how can people actually watch? It's going to be on uh, in the Copper Box Arena on uh, August 11th. Um, so uh, if you're ever going to come come there, if you come there, I'll get myself a ticket link very soon. So follow me, follow me on social media, uh, uh, one underscore punch on Twitter and uh, and Instagram, uh, and I'll be posting a. a, a um, a link on that and you should be able to buy tickets and sit with all my fans and friends of family.
I wanna talk about the black way tune that match not me. I'm black and in a black cap front and a glass of white rum. Three black cars, choose one, it's a black one. Young black way, too much money in a night shoe box. I'm that one. Got a new shirt, it's a black one. Came from a black stone, Blackstone Island, caught one away, yeah, that one. I've been buying gum since man a man had an old B with black one. Got a new Versace jean suit for the old nine Prada's pair of black ones. Choice of whips, you see me in a black one. Black boys drive black Bentleys with black leather seats. I'm that one. I'm the original black one. Role model icon, black one. And if you ain't got no better stack some. Was a black boy, now I am a black man. If I lost my life, now I couldn't say I didn't have one. Even though I'm on a mad one, I'm glad I never fell back like say I never had one. I used to live life like nobody's picnic. Now I've got a bank card, black one. Black man ain't meant to have black cards. Bentleys got them anyway. Big money deal next year, I'm gonna catch one. Black star made many black stars today, but not one. Did he ever try and track one? I just respect them exchange energy, black one. Eight, sixteen, twenty. It's a pleasure to welcome back to the Wokecast. This is becoming like a, a, this is becoming a regular fixture. Dominic Black Panther Wooding, welcome back to the Wokecast. Yes, 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 yes. Good to be back. Good to be back on here, man. All I'm saying is, where is the Black Panther outlet our outfit, man? Because, you know, really and truly, we've not seen the full Black Panther outlet since what? Actually, since walkout night. What do you mean? Oh, he had the mask. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I had the mask. You know, you should be wearing it for the interview, brother. Oh, come on, but this, this ain't this ain't a video interview. But if this was a video interview, then then I'll be wearing it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, look, I am wearing black at the end of the day, black and black here. You know what I mean? So it's all good. Considering the last time that we spoke, Dominic, um, we basically uh, were looking at uh, well the wrong side of a loss. Now, there was an opponent who you basically called out on the night. And uh, I mean, just, just talk through the context of all of that, because I have to say, it did come from left field. I didn't expect this to be on your lips so soon after a loss, because this was on fight night itself. But just talk me through, first of all, the last fight and how you ended up actually calling out Petra. Um, yeah, like um, the fight with Dean was pretty close. Um, could have went either way you know like obviously there was mixed opinions from everyone like everyone that was watching and stuff um but the only thing that is a bit annoying with acb is that they don't do draws if they don't do draws what i think they should do is a deciding round and if they did that then i think the fight would have been mine man do you know what i mean but um dean 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 dean's a, dean was a good opponent he was tough um and obviously he's got heart and but, you know, it is, it is what it is, man. It is what it is. Like, some people think I won. Some people think it was a draw. Some people think I lost. You know what I mean? But it is what it is. But after the fight, I was going all around the cage, like, like looking at all the judges. Damage, damage, damage. Because they look at effective striking the way you have. Because ACB, they score it a bit differently compared to other shows. Because when we was in the, we was in the uh, rules meeting, the, what they were explaining was a bit different compared to other shows. So then I was just thinking, damage, 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 damage. And I was just going all around the cage saying damage, damage, damage to all to all the judges. And after when they said split decision, I thought that was going to be mine. Do you know what I mean? And then after they gave it to him, but it is what it is. You know, it's 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 a great learning curve for me. Um, but then after the fight, uh, Petra fought, uh, what's his name? Mizugaki. Yeah, Miz uh, Takei Mizugaki. And I just thought to myself, it'll be it'll be a good fight, me and him. Um, obviously, I'm I was I was on, I'm on a loss now. He's on a loss. I called him out on social media. I heard nothing from him. Petra's just being Petra's just being Petra, being a pussy. That's all it is. 
What was it in particular, though? Because you're, you're obviously sitting there looking at, you know, your redemption and how you can actually make your way back. But what was it about Pietra Menga that you saw that you thought, yeah, he'd be a really interesting in, or he'd be a really um, good matchup for me? Because obviously his record, what is he now, 13-2? Uh, yeah, he, he's on a two-loss try. I'm, I'm on a loss. But I just thought at that time it, make, it, it made sense, and I still do think it does make sense. But... Yeah, he ain't gonna fight me. I, if if ACB offered him uh, uh, for me, if if they offered him me to fight, I bet his excuse would be is I'm going back to 125. Do you know what I mean? So it is what it is. I, I don't think he's gonna fight me, but it is what it is. Um, I'm meant to be on a London ACB card, so I'm just waiting to get matched now. So again, just talk me through this because there's a little bit of confusion. Bama actually put this out as though you'd had a one fight release what is the actual state of play of your contract because the last time i heard you actually signed to bama listen you have to talk to my manager about that <laughs> all i'm saying is i like kcb what do you mean by that though it'd be as nice listen, as possible listen they pay well they pay well. they pay well you know what i mean like like my last fight they paid me my biggest purse i've ever that i've ever received like from my fighting career so far, do you know what I mean? Yeah, so plus I got a fight of the night bonus as well, so that topped it off as well. So I like the show and, 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 and they pay well, you know what I mean? What is it like telling people about ACB? You know, if people ask, you, obviously you got to mention you're fighting and then they ask who you're fighting with, UFC, and you go, no, ACB. And then you got to explain about that. But knowing that you're getting paid pretty well off of it, but you got to explain to people like, all right, it's this organization from Chechnya, Blah blah blah. It's what it is. Even even with Bama, like when like when people ask so who you fighting for, and, they, and I say like Bama, like obviously they don't know what Bama is. They obviously know UFC because obviously UFC is the biggest organization in the world in MMA. So um, just have to obviously explain what promotion I'm fighting under. <laughs> Yo, come on, man. Brad the comedian decided to. Let off a raspberry boy. Yeah, look, and now he's walking around. He's like, Disgusting. Oh, fuck. Disgusting, man. <laughs> oh, come on, man. Yeah, like I was saying, like I was saying, yeah, it's just, it's just the same thing. Like, when I was fighting for Bama, when people say, who'd you fight for? I say, I fight for Bama. And I have to obviously explain. Same thing with ACB or, or any other organisation apart from the UFC. But I feel the difference is now is that you're, you know, you seem quite happy with what they're paying you compared to when it's, you know, a small organisation and you're not getting as much. Does that make it a bit more, you know, do you feel a bit more like, okay, let me explain what this is because you don't understand or is it just like, ah, whatever? No, it's whatever. I don't need to boast or anything telling them how much I get paid or whatnot. I don't need to right. boast, you know what I mean? It does seem to be, uh, you, you tell me if I'm barking up the wrong tree here. There seems to be a, a little bit of interesting scenario which I've just kind of copped up in my mind. We've seen Jude Samuel, the lead matchmaker at Bama, depart um, under very, how can I put it, abrupt circumstances. And then we've seen a Bama fighter like yourself no longer fighting for Bama. I mean, is, is, is it anything to do with the fact that basically they're matchmakerless at the moment? The problem with Bama is, like, because obviously I re-signed with them uh, late last year for this year. But the problem is, like, I'm a bantamweight. There's not a lot of bantamweights in the division. But when I first signed them, I was a flyweight. It was, it still wasn't 
There was only like, what, three, four flyweights? And bantamweight division now, I don't even know who's in the bantamweight division. So obviously they're, 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 they're not going to keep me as active as I want to be. Whereas like somewhere like, for example, like ACB, I can fight three, four, five times a year if I want to. Do you know what I mean? Whereas with Bama, there's not enough shows like a show like ACB. It's like Bama, they're only doing like, what, four shows a year? Four or five shows a year. And ACB, they're doing like, what, 30, 30 events or something like that a year. So I just want to build build my record. And obviously, I, I don't want to just fight once or twice a year and just have two fights and just building slowly. I want to I build my record. I'm only five and two now. Do you know what I mean? So by now, I should have had like just un about just under 15 fights, I reckon, because I turned pro in 2015, and I've only got seven pro fights. So I should have been a lot more busier. But at the time, there was a lot of guys um, avoiding me at flyweight, and obviously, me signing to Bama slowed me down a bit cause, uh, due to them not being as active as other promotions but that's that's the main that's 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 the reason why I'd say Bam is a bit, you know. But but to be honest, when I was at when when I was at Bama, Bama they did treat me well, they did they did treat me well but they just weren't keeping me active, so it is what it is. Speaking of it is what it is, the situation you're faced with now is you've got a London show coming up but you're still unmatched. You as I I've come to understand are very very clear in your career path you are very very clear as to the opponents which are out there who you think that you'd be able to to topple I mean there must be at least at the very least three opponents out there that you've got in mind that you could actually go up against on the August show on a away division um <laughs> what are you doing um you know, it's it's because you know ACB they sign, um, ACB they've got a lot of bantamweights all around the, all around the globe. So it's not a, like because I don't really know the 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 the, the division too well in ACB. So obviously, I'm just open to whoever they whoever they they throw at me. But obviously, like I'm on a loss. Obviously, I want to build back up. I want to I want see you later. <laughs> I want to obviously get back in the wing column. So. Obviously, a nice tune-up fight will be good. So obviously, this the event's going to be in London. So obviously, I'm expecting them to get me a bantamweight that's from here. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it'll be good for me to get a nice tune-up fight, get back on the wing column, and then start building properly again. So no one actually springs to mind. I mean, London's a relatively small place, considering that you know there are very few uh, mixed martial artists in London. So there's no one that springs to mind. Well, obviously, I wanted Petra in it, but obviously he doesn't want to fight me. He's I've not heard nothing from his side. So um, I'm just pretty much open to whoever they um, come come up with. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. What did you take away from that last fight then? Obviously, it being a loss, but you felt like um, it could have been a draw. Um, what, what was the biggest thing you took away and, and felt like, okay, this is what I need to work on? And um, obviously, you know, now you're back and, and you want more. What it was, I just felt, I just felt like I got a bit too lazy, like in terms of like when he had me up against the cage, like because when I'm when you're up when you're back against the cage and you're getting wrestled, or even if you're not, if even if they're not doing nothing to you, you're, you're burning up against that cage and you're losing points so my only problem was that it was just being too relaxed 
up against the cage. So obviously, I'm 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 gonna be working on that, <clears throat> like getting getting act being active, getting my back off the cage, and obviously being wary of the cage, and obviously not being up against the cage, getting burned, losing points. You know what I mean? Um, but that fight was the first fight in my whole professional career going the distance. So three, yeah, three five minute, uh, three rounds five minutes, and um, yeah, it was. It felt yeah, it felt it felt good. It obviously new experience because obviously I've never been out. I've never um, finished the pro fight going the distance. You know what I mean? So there's a lot to take from that, and um, a lot to learn from that, and a lot to get better from from that fight. You know what I mean? So um, I'm just looking forward to getting back in there, man. I'm 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 itching, man. I'm itching. Yeah, like a lot of um, fighters talk about that. You know, the wrestling aspect is probably the most taxing in terms of like your cardio. Obviously, you know, when you're laying on your back for a majority of a round, it must be, you know, it must do, mentally as well, it kind of mess with you. Yeah, of course, of course. Obviously, wrestling, wrestling is the, well, I would say it's, it's the most taxing art within MMA. And obviously, that's the most dominant art within MMA in terms of winning and gaining points and stuff. Um, but yeah, it, it, is, it is very taxing. Like, obviously, we train to be as well-rounded as we can and... and Obviously, everyone knows me as a striker, <clears throat> but I'm just trying to improve my game, my whole round game. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? You're well-rounded, boy. Um, what was I going to ask you? I wanted to ask you about, um, have you fought any um, Brazilian fighters at all? Uh, no, I have not. Uh, you haven't? Because obviously, what I was wondering was, you, you know, in these sort of fights, do you ever hear the, corner, uh, the other fighters' corner, whatever they're hailing out? So if they're like, oh, throw a punch or throw a kick or whatever, do you hear it and react to that as well? Like, oh, you're going to throw a right or you're going to throw a left? Um, what, within the fight? No, I mostly hear my corner. Like, if, I'm, if, if we're fighting, like, near, he's near, the, my, near my opponent's corner, then obviously I can hear them, but most of the time when I'm in a fight, I can only hear my corner. Yeah, yeah. Well, what is because you're Angolan, so I wanted to ask about the oh, Portuguese. Right. Whether you you'd yeah, understand? Yeah, yeah. So obviously, if I'm fighting a Brazilian and I can hear his corner, obviously I would understand certain things that they're saying. Obviously, I'm not a I'm not a fluent Portuguese speaker, but obviously I do understand certain things that's being said. Yeah, yeah I was yeah. wondering if that would be an advantage though that they wouldn't know. They're just thinking, ah, he's black guy from lunch. Yeah, of course, of course they would feel that. That's, that's all right. But obviously, I, I understand some of the stuff that they're saying. So it's cool, man. Like, it's, it's cool. Just final one for me. You'll be on a card which features Brad Pickett. We, we know, we've obviously just been talking to him about his return. When you heard that he was actually coming back to the cage, was there any part of you who thought, or what thought, you know, maybe the legacy that you built should actually stay where it is instead of the legacy continuing to be built upon? You know, the, the decision is obviously solely... and. Totally up to uh, Brad, you know what I mean. But obviously Brad's always here. He's he's, he's obviously trained, obviously here training us every day. And obviously he he jumps in and does some rounds. And obviously we we all say to him, you, you still got it, you still got it. And obviously I knew I knew about him coming back uh, at, at the last fight. So obviously it wasn't too surprising to me. But um, but yeah, he's always here training training us, and he's always jumping in doing rounds and stuff and. He's, he's still got it. He's, he's still got it, man. Did you yeah. secretly know then that, yeah, he's coming back? As much as he's talking, like, oh, I'm done, I'm, you like, you're like, man, this guy's coming back one day. Like, my arm's hurt. 
yeah, I kind of had a feeling. I kind of had a feeling because he, you know what, he has got, he, he, he did get a few offers like way back before, even like he said Bellator, even before, even before that, he got, he got offers before. So obviously I, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't have been a surprise to me that he would be coming back because obviously he's always here and he's always training as well. So he's always keeping fit. So it, it, it's no surprise to me. That must be a big help as well. Seeing a guy like that, like the amount that he's gone through, the ups and downs or whatever, and then he's still fighting. That must help you when you get a little loss like that. You, you know, and it, like you're saying, it could have gone either way in, at the end of the day. Of course, of course. That's what I'm saying. That's why like, it's always good to have him here and all the other, all, all the other guys. Got Mike Ekendeo, uh, Nathaniel Wood now in the UFC. So obviously we just, as a, as a, as a team, we're, we're all, we're all, we're all levelling up. Win or lose, draw. We're all, level, all levelling up. Yeah. Yeah. Can feel it building, man. It's looking good, but hopefully we see you. Uh, so when is it? August on the August card, but you're not sure who yet. August 11th at the Copper Box Arena, um, but I'm still waiting to get matched. Still waiting to get matched. Right, we're gonna be there watching, man. Waving them uh, Wakandan flags. <laughs> Come fly with me. Let's fly. Let's fly away. If you can use some exotic booze, there's a bar in far Bombay. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. Come fly with me, let's float down. It's a pleasure to welcome to the Wokas, Mike Tinchi Akindeo. Has anyone ever told you you look like Tinchi Strider? Yeah, I've heard that quite a bit. I've heard that quite a bit, yeah. Let's just rewind that. It's Mike Ekendare Airlines. I know that my man like Mice always jumps in with this off the bat. But seriously, man, that is kind of intriguing. I think I've got the notion of where it's come from. But where does Ekendare Airlines come from? It comes from my fighting style. My fighting style. One of my um, amateur fights actually carried the guy on my shoulder and took him towards my corner. Just to hear my corner clear, more clearer and then slammed him and... Yeah, that's what that's where it came from, and I did it. I did that in that fight, and then I did it in another fight. Then I just thought, oh, why not? Why not run with this name? So that's where the airlines came from. So just for the uninitiated, uninitiated, and uh, just say that we're on your background at the moment. Let's just stick with that ever so slightly, so we can get the listeners a little bit. Um, how can I put it? Uh, well, closer to man like Mr. Akindeo Airlines. Where has your passion actually come from, from the sport? Because you're relatively new. When you look at um, the, the actual... Um, sorry, I'm a bit distracted by my guy, the drill rapper there, with the, with the balaclava on his I was like, wow, is that 6'7"? Is that <laughs> you see a black guy in a balaclava, that's it. He just looks like trouble. We got, like, even we're shook. Three black guys, we see another black guy with a balaclava. Wow, so I was a bit distracted. I was like, rah, what's the strategy? <laughs> anyway, yeah, so in terms of your background, in terms of the landscape, you're relatively new in terms of people's recognition of uh, Mike Akindeo. I mean, where did the passion for you start? What was the actual catalyst which got you into the sport? Well, I was always, I was always watching the sport. I was always a fan of... Of combat, of combat. So boxing, boxing, some sort of fighting combat. I was always into it, but at the time, growing up, I was actually studying. I was studying accountancy, which is totally the opposite. I was studying accountancy, and then I was doing a placement for like two months. But I really disliked it. 
I really disliked it. I was studying it. I was studying it for for a little while, and then once I got into actually um, doing the practical stuff, I really um, built a dislike for it. And then at simultaneously, I started MMA at the same time. Started MMA, and then the 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 love for for that grew. And then as I as I um, began to um, pick up the skills and get quite good at it i thought why not why not pursue something i love doing so that's that's where that's where it started and i started when i was 19. i'm guessing as a 19 year old coming home telling your parents you're actually going to move away from accountancy and kind of leap into mixed martial arts didn't go down too well um it well, was a big jump it's a big jump and of course as a parent and as as an African as well, everyone's like, "Oh, you must be a doctor, you must be a lawyer, you must be an accountant." And then I've now come home and I'm saying, "I want to be a mixed martial artist." And I, huh? What do you mean? But <laughs> what's this? Like, what's this? But yeah, it's, it's a big jump. But they saw the the passion and the dedication I put into it, and yeah, they they support me fully. They support me fully. Well, so that's what I wanted to ask because I, I saw an interview where you're talking about being you were studying accountancy and then but you you kind of um, you just felt that it wasn't there was no passion for it at all and you so did the training did you start training because you needed to find something else first of all and then secondly do you feel like that pulled you away more and more from the accountancy you know aspect where you were like I just don't want to sit in an office from nine to you know from nine to five and whatnot. I'd rather be doing something like this, using my body as opposed to just using my brain. You know, you, now you're using your body and your brain. Yeah. I'll say for me, it it all happened at the same time. So as soon as I started losing the love for well, there was no real love for accounting. I would say, as soon as I started to build a dislike for it. That's this. At the same time, I built more of a love for MMA, so it it happened at the at, at the same time. So, and then I've always had that philosophy of find find what you love and make it pay. Like make your passion your paycheck. So, where did you get that philosophy from? Because I I was when I saw you say that, I was like, wow, this guy's young, but he it's like you've already found out. You know, you get people that live in hardship, and um. They, they become happy and realise, oh, I didn't need money to be happy. When they finally get money, it's like, oh, this is a bonus. Or you get people that are really rich, but really sad. And they, that's how they understand that money isn't everything. But how did, you, how did that come to you where you're like, you know what, I'd rather do something I love and do it well enough that I can get paid for it as opposed to something I don't really like, be rich and, you know. I think it's just chase. Just, it's as simple as that. Just chase happiness. Don't look to chase money because that's not always going to bring you happiness but chase the things that make you happy and find a way to make it work so that's that's how I always saw things just chase what I love doing which was which for me personally is mixed martial arts and try to find a way to make it pay because in the beginning it doesn't you've probably seen the shows that that when you when you're starting off it doesn't pay initially but you can find a way to make it pay so that's that's basically what i'm doing i'm chasing what chasing what i love doing and finding a way to make it pay and what what was it that sparked you know what made you think okay i can make money from this because obviously like you're saying the the possibility is there but it was it anybody close or just the star that you saw and you thought wow i could do that 
so I could get there. Like I've heard you talking about wanting to be the best. Yeah. What is it that made you feel that I could become the best when you when you saw mixed martial arts? What what was it that made me feel like I can become the best? Yeah, what was it that pushed you? You know, because obviously you got that's a, yeah. a a strong mentality to have. Uh, and what what because with so many different fighters now, what made you feel like that? Well, it's, I feel like it's just my competitive nature, isn't it? So this is a, at, at the end of the day, it's mixed martial arts, so it's an art. So it's, it's like, I just want to, I want to be the best at something. So if that's the art that I've chosen, then that's what I want to be the best at. So I've always had that sort of competitive nature to strive to, strive to greatness, because greatness is what I want to achieve. So did that that stem from the UFC games then? Was it fighting in the games at first? You're like, wow, I'm good at this. And then you're like, wait, I reckon I could do this in real life, you know? Yes. Do you know what? It started from bo the boxing game. It started from fighting night. Fighting night. I was, I was, I was out of my friendship group. I was the best at fighting night. I was the best at fighting night. Like, I, and I was good at it. So w once the MMA game came along, UFC... It's like, uh, my friends were pay playing it before I was. And then, yeah, I was just, I got into it. That's how I first found out about mixed martial arts as a whole was from the game. And then it's like, I had that competitive, competitive nature to be the best at the game. And then I thought, oh, why not? Why not pursue? I, I've got the physical attributes to, to, to do it. Why not? Why not? So, One of the things that we hear a lot of, from artists or from um, athletes in particular coming up of how difficult it is to juggle a career and actually be an athlete. Are you now a full-time athlete? Have you put behind you any aspiration of actually, you know, working a nine-to-five? Well, um, my last fight was on Bellator, Bellator MMA. Everyone knows that as a, a huge show. Uh, I took that as a short notice opportunity as well. So because it was a short notice opportunity and they needed a um they needed a fighter sort of last minute you can um sort of negotiate for that bit more money and I did win that fight and so I got my purse and a win win and the win bonus so that 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 opportunity has really um set me up so after after winning that fight it has now set me up to actually leaving everything I I was doing before so I was working um I was working a part-time job I was working a part-time job and then yeah that opportunity on Bellator has now set me up to now do what do what I love doing full-time what was your part-time job what was your your uh, nine-to-five as it were well um the one that I've just recently left was um, a cinema, which is just down the road from my house, um, called um, Ritzy. So yeah, I was, I was working in a cinema, and previous prior to that, I was working in um, the O2 Arena. Man, be on the news. You really think I went up C4 scrum? Life corner, no, shh. I could have laid in the uni room, but I know better. Us wanna see me get nicked with a shh, but I know better. Next day, shh, got got back. Oh. Gang done got down to this league dash And they should know better Don't see me in the flesh and don't make man leak Man do shit for the gram and tweet Man rise that shit and ski How many? Let's see Man could've pulled it on the net when gang done chinged up And the bros didn't leave one 
Man just left it to the media. They say I took an L in L, but made a W in W. Anything green get one. So I take it that you're based in Brixton, South London. You're basically coming from just a very a tangent, ever so slightly, but again to bring your background in, you're basically coming from um, a known hotspot in terms of uh, youth crime, in terms of what's happening with gun violence and knife crime, in terms of if. Let's just imagine, see, I've asked this of, of fighters before, but just to put you in the hot seat, let's just imagine you were London Mayor, you are in the particular age range of those who are affected. How would you actually make changes so that, you know, we see a diminishing um, in terms of those who are affected by gun and knife crime? What would you do to actually not necessarily solve it, but how would you tackle gun and knife crime? Um to tackle gun and knife crime it is it's not straightforward i'm sure they they're trying to that's that's the thing they try like they're trying to prevent and reduce but um i would say just getting the community together man um they they have like stopped all the community centers like they there's a reduction of of that but i i feel like they need to invest more into that like invest it more into the community centers and all the pl the play schemes that we used to have back in the day and um yeah that just gets to keep the whole community together like just simple stuff as like the community centers um even sports sports like football every like growing up everyone loves football is like if you had like start from the youth start from the root like have different areas, have their own teams, and then get everyone together and play football. It's it's bonding. It's bonding to to is in a sense it is bonding. Like getting the community together, having um different different um activities gets people knowing each other, and it it reduces it reduces um gun and knife crime because if you're not gonna attack someone who you've got a you've built a rapport with you you know to a degree it's like them them getting rid of the um community centers is like you you see someone from another area that you don't know and there's it's like that's that's where the tension sort of comes from but if i was to know the person from oh that's the guy that who i used to play football with oh that's the guy who i used to go community center with when i was younger growing up I'm not gonna do. I'm. I've already. I already know you to that sense. So I'm not gonna um, have a beef with you because I know you. I grew up with you. I I shared moments with you. So that's a way they can. That's a strong way. I feel they can tackle it. Is just investing more in the community centres, getting people together. What we've seen a lot of in terms of media attention is a concentration on drill music, which to a certain extent is quite big in South London, as in North London, particularly East as well. But particularly Brixton drill music is pretty hot right now. Do you think there's anything to be said of actually trying to not necessarily control drill music, but looking at how drill music is actually contributing to knife crime and gun violence do you first of all i suppose it's a two-part question do you see that there is any link between gun and um gun and knife crime and drill music and do you think that there is anything to be said or any benefit from actually trying to well control the distribution of drill music i'm thinking of people like 
they were targeting Tim Westwood and saying, well, he is basically providing a media outlet for dual music and he's obviously facilitating violence in doing that. Yeah, that, this is what I'm saying. It's like they, they're trying, they, they're, they're going with methods on, on which they can tackle and reduce the gun and knife crime, but they're not attacking it from the root. They're not attacking it from the root. They're going towards the music direction. Drill music, um, I listen to drill music. I am not a... I don't go out and shoot and stab people. It's not It's not the root of the... It doesn't... It's not the root. It's not the root cause of gun and knife crime. But that's what they want to tackle. But in a way, as, as someone who is a drill... A drill artist, that is... That can be their means of getting out of the hood and getting out of the the drillings and dippings as they will call it um that's their means of like like um turning their life around as 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 where does it can sound but if if i'm an artist now am i if i'm a drill artist and my music's popping and i'm having shows and i'm making money from it it's gonna steer me away from the, the drillings and dippings or the, the violence because I'm now I've got a different focus, a more positive focus. It's 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 mad say it's it might sound a bit weird saying uh the is is the music, me talking about uh drilling and dipping is getting me out of the drilling and dipping, but really and truly that's what it is. It is getting them out of the, the hood and then it's like the attack um the government's like attacking the drill the drill music directly and then it's like you're attacking their way of finding a legitimate a legitimate legitimate way of making money so it's like then they're gonna go back to the drilling and dipping because you're taking it away from them so okay so what if people say then okay that's cool for the artist like they get to leave the hood they're out of it but then they're still making music that other there's kids out there that are not as smart as you that'll be like i listen to drill but it doesn't make me go out and do them things they're going to go out and do them things because they're not that smart. Yeah, because it's glamorized. And so that that's where it gets a bit blurry. And yeah. like you don't want to stop somebody's, you know, quote unquote hustle. Yeah. But at the same time, them getting rich and them getting out of it, is does that is that fair for the, you know, the parents of children that are slain because of it? You know, like it might be someone's girlfriend who's, who's you know, the bullet, she got a stray bullet. So then that's two sets of parents and all that. Sorry, so so what I'm asking is like, what would you say to someone who says that then? Like, it's like, yeah, that's cool for the artist, but what about the people that are still suffering from it and the masses more that are getting influenced because of this glamorization? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a tough. It is, it's not it's not a straightforward thing, but my thing is always just like music is music. Art is like it's a form of it's a form of it's a, it's a form of art, the same way mixed martial arts is a form of art. There, there, there is a is an expression of art. Like, I'm sure your playlist that you have on your phone could have anything. Like, could have anything on it. It could. It's not just drill. Like, drill is violence, but it could also have like talking about women, like in a derogatory term. So it's like. But we still listen to it, but it's just that 
and they're not taking it's like the government's not taking it away because they don't really see it as an issue but it's just like just att- I'll, I'll just say just attack it at the root just attack it at the root of it so yeah i think you're definitely right with that because before because then it will be like i feel like the problem with drill because i listen to hip-hop and there's neg you know i listen to you know smack you in the face stuff or booties bouncing stuff or i listen to intelligent stuff to, to that i can learn from but i, th- I feel like the that doesn't that doesn't mean that you now see women uh, yeah, exactly. uh, like that yeah. you could you can treat women with the most respect and still listen to that type of music so yeah it's just it's down to the individual how they get influenced but i, I also think that maybe then right at the end of the day it is glamorizing it which so i can understand that yeah i can understand well I, it's not why they're targeting i can understand that their argument i can understand their argument but really and truly it's always just attack it at the root root just attack it at the root i think you know we just need to hear drill with every other content it doesn't all have to be about killing this man and that man and i think that's when it will start changing as opposed to like cut out drill that didn't work with grime when they tried to cut out grime it just grew even bigger on the underground until they had to try and take control and and whatever commercialize it but i think with drill they just need to there just needs to be more to talk about other than them man over there that i don't chat to or whatever whatever and then may you know that and that's probably better than just trying to shun everybody out because like you're saying they are trying to be creative and this is their uh form of outlet so yeah we'll see how that happens man but yeah, like the <clears throat> The the like the top drill artists that are there, it's like it's not always ah oh, I'm gonna get him I'm gonna get him ne- next week I'm gonna get him like it's not always that it's like the top ones that like the top few drill artists that are there is like they now venture into making it like different like it's not always dipping and drilling or whatever it's it's now different it's like it's music like it's artistry like at the top fair enough there are guys who is is literally just that uh it's just i scored a point or all of these things but yeah it's like um the, at at the highest point it's like you realize that uh i need to get played on radio and stuff it's not just that i need to talk about i can talk about other things and make it art so it's not always, it's not always, uh, I need to get them all the time. I guess that's just all we get to hear. When people are like, oh, check this drill. And then usually it's like, yeah, them man, blah, blah, blah. And because pe- it's usually people going, look at this, man. Look what these kids are talking about now, you know. So, but uh, hopefully, man, the, the connection between the youngers and the elders can sort of get stronger and stronger. And we learn from each other as opposed to like, oh, look what these kids are doing now. Put them all in jail and all that bullshit. It's a bit annoying, you know. But let's get back to you, man. To back to <laughs> Ecodale Airlines. I ain't gonna lie, when I heard it, when I heard the nickname, I was like, what? But then I saw your fights, and then I saw, I was like, wow, they get a one, whoever's fighting you gets a one way ticket, but picks them up, lift them up, and then crash landing, boy. That's <laughs> so you so you said that um, you learned, um, you know, mixed martial arts in, in all forms all at the same time all at once but what what was it about the wrestling then because you just become like heavy like a heavy grappler wrestler like really good at taking people down like a strong double leg what do you think it was that drew you to that uh, you know or made you become stronger at that than anything else um first of all is 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 a weird one because this country isn't known for mm, exactly. known for wrestling like in america they they 
do that growing up. They do that growing up as as a young and they do that growing up. Here we don't have, we just honestly we just got football. Maybe basketball we have. Maybe we got cricket. Yeah, but yeah, rugby. We haven't got we haven't got wrestling like that. So even for me, as I've um, picked up wrestling, it's like is is a is is even weird that I've like that's that's my thing because there's no back there's no former background in knowing any of that. But it's just like. I joined the gym, this gym that I'm at now, Team Titan. We we was always known for our grappling. We was always known for our, our strong, heavy wrestling, and it's just like my my body, like my body structure, my body structure, um, my genetics have been like is tailor made for for wrestling. So I've just picked it up. How long have you been training for? I've been training for five years and a half. Five years and a half. I remember the, the exact day I started. I started the 9th of January 2013. Was that like some, um, was it like, nah, it's New Year's, I'm on it. Like, what, what made you, why was it January? I, I didn't see it as a New Year's resolution, I guess. But me and my friend, we both started at the same time at a gym called um, Guns MMA. And I suppose like, we started like January 9th and I think the coach sort of thought, ah, oh, you guys are just like some New Year's resolution, guys. You're, you're not going to be here for too long. But I ended up staying. My friend didn't stay, which he, I, I believe he should have. My friend didn't stay and I, I just ended up staying. Yeah, it's just stuck at it. What's your friend like now when he's seeing you go viral and all that? What is he saying? <laughs> he should have stayed, man. He should. He really should have. He really should have. Stuck at it, man. I really believe he should have stuck at it, but... Is he good, yeah? Um, well, we both started off at the same... Well, the, the same skill level. He, he he loved fighting just as much as I did, and I've always had that that same philosophy of do what you love. He We both loved it this, this, the same the same way, so that's, that's the main reason why I think he should have stayed, because that's something you love. You're going to be good at something you love doing, because... You you're you're willing to put the time into it because you love doing it. So, so it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where where um us we started because at the end of the day I was I had no skills when I started. I had no skills. I wasn't an um, I wouldn't say I was a natural or anything. I I learned it all. I learned it all as I went along. And he could have also done the same, but it's never too late. It's never too late. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Speaking of skills and them being on show, the next time we'll see you will be on Cage Warriors in July and uh, using a, or stealing a bit of uh, drill terminology, your ops will be Ed Arthur. <laughs> that, that was slick, that was slick, that was slick. Nice little segue, you see that? That was slick. <laughs> your ops, your opposition will be Ed Arthur. Now, I have to say, on, on a serious note, a person looking at this matchup would see Ed Arthur as a seasoned veteran and you as the up-and-coming prospect. You're 6-0 and now. Mm -hmm. And Ed Arthur is grizzled, he's chiseled, he's basically been in the game a hot minute. A lot of people looking at this would say it's a little bit of a mismatch. When you actually had that put to you and put, had that put on the table, what was your immediate reaction? It's a fight. It's a fight. My immediate reaction was, it's a fight. It's a fight. 
That's all it is. Mismatch, definitely not. It's just the it's just the next step up, man. It's just the next step up from the opponents I've fought already. So, so yeah, it's just a fight. To be honest, my last fight I I would say is it was a tougher fight than this one coming up. So but I still treat every fight with maximum respect, maximum discipline and I'm gonna train for this fight like I'm training like like any any other fight so it's just a fight to me man it's just a fight and the way that you're kind of like approaching it i like the philosophy it is a fight you're t you're treating it with the respect that it deserves but for you to say that like it's an easier fight what is it about this that presents a much more of a or, or, or less of a challenge than your last fight um my last fight was very it was a was a was tough was tough. The the difference is um the difference is Ed Arthur is a name. Is a name that everyone knows because he's been around for for so long. My last guy wasn't as much of a name but yeah, it yeah, it's just a fight to me, man. And when you look at, you know, who's actually backing him, who's actually providing basically the, the the training the coaching you know we're looking at Dean Amazinger um, I, I do understand that Dan Hardy I think is also involved as well in terms of backing him does that give you like an insight into his caliber as well because from what I'm hearing so far um, you feel a, a, as though this will basically be a, 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 a not necessarily a walk in the park for you but you've got this basically yeah, I always believe I've got this. I've always, uh, every every with every matchup, I'm I'm very positive. Like with with all my matchups, like I always believe I always believe I'm gonna win. But yeah, in terms of like the people who he's got, who he's got behind him, Dean Amasinger, Dan Hardy. I've got Brad Pickett. I've got Ashley Grimshaw. I've got Mickey Pappas. I've got. Training partners like Nathaniel Wood, Dominic Wooden, Nathan Grayson. Do you want me to name more? <laughs> Do you want me to name more people? Like I've got, I've got high, I've got savages. I've got high calibred coach, high caliber coaches, and savages on the mat every every day, every session. Surround yourself with surround yourself with savages, and you will become a savage. So. Yeah, let me drop the mic for you on that one. <laughs> Jeez. So I wanted, yeah, you know, the hairs on the back of my neck all standing at that. Listen, so I wanted to talk about the um that the last fight because you you said that it was a pretty tough one. That's the Tom Mans fight, right? Yeah. The Bellator card. So obviously, like, let me take a shot at Bellator because they're I don't know why they're messing up. I tried to watch it. It's a UK, you know, the whole thing was in UK and you still, and it says this is blocked in your region. Yeah. It's like, I don't know what that's about. But can you talk about what happened in the first round? And obviously we'll get to like, you know, the whole bit that went viral and that. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, yeah, it was, a, it was a fight. So basically, um, it was a short notice opportunity. It was a short notice opportunity um, that I took. And then... Um, I'm a 135. I took it at 145. So yeah, started off the fight cool. This guy was tough. We both came forward, closed the distance. He was strong. He put me against the cage. I hit. I actually hit that um, a judo throw on him. That got him down, 
And then I immediately went for, I pulled guard for a guillotine. Didn't get the guillotine, he was on top. And then, yeah, he, he was very he was very strong. He controlled the position, hit, hit a few shots, ground and pound, still controlling the position. Not He didn't hit a, as much shots to stop the fight because the referee didn't stop it. So, yeah, he hit a couple shots, cool. Progressed his position. Um, and then, yeah, that was most of the first round. Then the second round, I hit the sa that same judo throw. He posted on his arm and then his arm just... He, my body weight and his own body weight um, went on his arm and then he, he broke his arm. So the arm was broken before he'd even got in his back then? Because it just looked like... How is that broken from that? Yeah, his arm his arm was broken um, before he got before he got on his back. And I, did, I actually didn't realise... I didn't realise his arm, his arm was broken. So my head was facing to the left. And then on my on my right, that's that's the arm that was broken. So my head was facing to the left, and I even hit hit him with um with a um with a punch because I'm thinking oh, I'm on top. Let me hit hit a few shots on ground and pound, and then he very calmly was like, stop, 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 stop. And I was like, what do you mean stop? We're in the fight. What do you mean? And then I postured up and I looked up and then I looked to my to my right. And then I see his arm, um, his arm in in a position where he's not meant to be in. I was like, "Oh my days!" I, I was even shocked. But he was very calm. Like he took it like a um, he took it like a champ. Like he, like an alien. He's very he he he's he's a tough cookie. That's what I'm saying. Like he's a tough cookie. Um, yeah, he he took he took it. I, going into the fight. I knew he was tough, but for your arm to dislocate in that way and for you to be very calm not scream at all and still get up wait for wait for the referee to um uh, call call the who's who who won the fight and then go back go back and see the paramedics and stuff like that it takes a next level of toughness that i didn't know he even had so i knew he was tough going into the fight but to be that tough I take my hat off to him, to be honest. Did your family get to see that? Uh, maybe not the fight, but that that clip that went out. Yeah, it was actually my sister that that showed it to me. Like, do you, in saying that, you know, the whole yeah. the whole um, black people timing thing. So my sister, I'm gonna put her on blast. <laughs> I'm gonna put her on blast. You like, yeah, my sister. Um, she came she came to the fight late she got to the she she missed my fight she missed my fight so so of course she knew i was first up at 5 30 because i yeah i was first up at 5 30 so she's like searching to see oh what happened what happened what happened she's like what happened with with my fight and stuff and then she actually saw the clip and then she's like oh okay you won but ah oh, this looks mad this yeah, looks yeah, mad she's yeah, yeah. like oh he won but uh this looks mad but she's like you know you're she's like you know you're on the sun like you know the sun put your clip up and i was like what and then like actually seeing i was like oh my days but yeah man so yeah i first heard about it through my sister and her being late to my fight and that, <laughs> that's hilarious man shout outs to sis um so like what you know and had mum seen it like I, i'm interested in what kind of reaction you get because obviously they're like they're happy for you to do something you love doing but then you know african parents like when they see that kind of damage 
Do you know what I mean? Like, I know my mum would be, oh, you, you can't do this. You, can't, you know what I mean? Like, how, did, was she just like, okay, just be careful? Or did she try and talk you out of it? Or how did that go? Well, my mum, she is, she's like, she's like a, she's a proud parent. So, so when, like, my clips are on YouTube and stuff, stuff like that, she's proud. Like, and, and I know she shows her friends, ah, oh, yeah, my son's on YouTube. But it's like, when she watches like when she watches other other fights and they get gruesome and that that's when she's like ah oh, michael like be make sure they don't hurt you she's just like make sure they don't hurt you like that's when the worried parent comes out so the proud parent comes out when uh my clips are on youtube and stuff but the worried parent comes out when it's like she sees gruesome fights she's just like make sure you don't get hurt and stuff like that same time, that must be motivating. Like um, I've heard you say about not wanting to lose in front of your brethren and all that, in front yeah, of your friends. Yeah. So things like that must be motivating anyway, innit? Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly, exactly. Like it keeps me honest, man. Things like that, like keep me in the gym, man. Like don't want to come out. It's, it's a blessing that I've come out with, with nothing. In in the eleven fights that I've had, it's a blessing that I'm in one piece. Nothing's wrong with me. I'm okay. I've got. I've still got good health. That's a blessing, man. I feel blessed, and it's like things like things like this, like people people caring about me being okay and all of that. It keeps me in. It keeps me in the gym because there's like once you get a finish, that's the fight done. You're you're good. You're good to go home and stuff like that. You're in one piece. So yeah, that's what I think about. That's what that's 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 part of the reason why I stay in the gym and stuff is like. Just, just be efficient in there, get the job done, get out in one piece, and stuff like that. It keeps me, yeah, it keeps me in the gym. Keeps me in the gym. So you transi- you transitioned from ROC to UCMA to Bellator. Now on um, Cage Warriors. Is Cage Warriors now your home? Have you actually signed like a three or four, even five fight deal with them? And uh, I'm guessing that like, the belt is in sight. If you are looking indeed for that to be your home. Um, yes, I'm signed to Cage Warriors. Yeah, I'm signed to Cage Warriors. So, in terms of, like, moving forward, um, obviously, you're young in the game, but a lot of people have probably seen of late that Cage Warriors is definitely um, a route through to the UFC. I take it, obviously, the big show is where you're going to be heading in terms of, obviously, your final destination. See, I got the airline, like, final death. Anyway, I'm here all week. I'm slick with it today. <laughs> slick with it today. <laughs> I respect it. I respect it. <laughs> yeah, got around with it. So, I mean, just on the UFC as a destination, I mean, looking at that whole journey, obviously, it's attractive. It's going to be pretty tough considering the caliber of um well athletes in there who do you see will be your route as a as a journey i mean I, i'm thinking already in your mind you know who's in the cage warriors roster you know who is in your weight category you know basically um who is going to make you shine in terms of opponents who do you see like um I, I i've got it already registered from yourself that this is going to be a walk in the park it's going to be um a, a very how can i put it dominant finish that you're looking for but who is it past ed arthur who you see as you know basically a route into the ufc 
Well, um, I don't look, well, the whole walk in the park thing, I don't look past um, my opponent. I've got an opponent in on July 21st. I'm looking to get the dominant, a dominant win. I'm not overlooking him, not at all. But, yeah, man, um, in terms of who who's going to who's gonna get me up there and stuff, I'm going to get me up there. I'm gonna get me up there. I don't see no names. I don't see, don't see no no opponents. I'm it's 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 all down to me. Like that's how I see it. Like it's 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 my show. It's my story. It's my story at, at the end of the day, and the final destination to take it back to the airlines thing. The final the final destination is greatness. It's greatness on on whatever whatever platform is on, be it Cage Warriors, be it Bellator, be it UFC. My final destination is greatness. Mic drop. Yeah, I gotta say, there's something in the air over at Team Titan, boy, because these lot, it's like there's no, there's no games when it comes to uh, where they want to be. Uh, and, you know, it's, I really like it because you guys are so young as well, but you're, you, mentally, you know, you've, you've, like, you've grown. Do you know what I mean? It's really cool to see because a lot of, like, Elder, uh, you know, older people are like, ah, oh, the, the kids nowadays, they, they haven't got their head screwed on, you know, with all this internet and social networking and blah, blah, blah. But to me, it sounds like you've already, you've probably grown up a lot quicker than some kids as well, um, having siblings um, and then obviously having to look after them and stuff. So, like, do you feel like um, there's, there's, there are ways that you can encourage, say, I mean, some of your friends that are your same age that don't bother coming here, they might still be on the streets or whatever. Do you, have you ever thought about how you could encourage them to get involved as well? To get involved in, in MMA, in mixed martial arts, or training, or train, or what MMA directly, or just getting away from. Like I, I feel like you know some a lot of what goes. Like I was in the streets, but a lot of it is frustration. You know, you, there's nothing else to do, and so you end up doing a bunch of stuff that might make you money, it might give you a bit of a name or whatever. But in the long run where you, you're going to be like a 30-year-old dude, dude still in the streets, still trying to do all this shit. But uh, do you, does it ever come across your mind like how you could get kids your age or younger involved into um, training, whether it be for, you know, to do it professionally or to just get out some of that frustration that, you know, we're under? Well, I feel like it doesn't necessarily have to be mixed martial arts in general, like... MMA is just my thing. Well, it's my thing personally. MMA is my thing personally. I just feel like just, you just need to find your own. If if it's MMA, then of course I can guide you fully. I can guide you fully, but you just need to find your own, like find yourself in a way. Because like I've grown up, I've grown up through and I've been through adversity, adversity. But it's like my goal is now to pursue this MMA thing but to also inspire people to that same thing um, find what you love doing and make it pay find what you love doing and make it pay that's like my uh, my motto so I just want people to see me doing what I've what I've done and understanding where I've come from and all the hardships that I've been through and just seeing how it can motivate them to find themselves and find what they can do personally if it's mma cool come to me directly i can help you with that but i just want i just want to inspire people and motivate people to 
to find their thing, to find what they love doing and put their focus on it. Because I wasn't, like, just to touch on, like, me is in directly, I wasn't, um, I wasn't never, I was never a road man. I was never a road man. Me being honest to myself, I was never a road man. I grew up, ar I grew up around the road and I always knew people. So that's always... Um, knowing people has always like helped me get by like in in that um in that sense and so i was always around people who were on the roads but me pursuing this mma thing has taken me away from all of that because i could have easily gotten caught in crossfire and i'm aware of that i could have easily gotten caught in crossfire i could have easily um, got shot or stabbed just because of who I know and and all of those things like that. So, but MMA has has stared me away from that because, like when things used to happen around um, around the area, I was never there because I was in the gym. I was in the gym. I was always pursuing pursuing my craft. So that's that's a way that can it. it it can save lives is like if you find what you what you want to do and stuff you're going to put you're going to put all of your energy into it and then you're not going to have energy to to be around it's like yeah. the devil makes work for idle hands and stuff like that if you're if you're if you're always busy then then your stuff just won't find you <laughs> them two three hour sessions a day you'll be in bed by i'm <laughs> sleeping you're at home sleeping and eating eating jollof <laughs> there's no time to be out here on the roads or out here on the blocks you're at home yeah, that's i mean that, that's what i'm talking about like you know because i've seen it and i'm like man if some of these youths just went in you know, one or two days and then we're like, boy, you know what? That was hard. Like, you can't come out now and act hard like, yeah, what's my man looking at? Because you're getting in there and getting beaten up. You're getting disciplined. And I think it will change the mentality of a lot of youths because they'll be like, wow, this, I've never had to go through this. And I can't, like, you know, a baby could kill somebody with a knife or a gun. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not, to me, it's not really something that you can brag about. Like, yeah, because anybody could kind of do it. You're using a weapon. But now you're in here and it's hand to hand. On um, combat, yeah, it's 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 different. It's different. It's different. It's like yeah, the people I used to chill with. Of course, I'm not the tallest. I'm not the biggest. And then yeah, the people I used to chill with. Of course, they were on the roads and that cool. And then like when I used to like pop by on the weekends or whatever, just to see see what everyone's saying. And that they're like, rah, you do, you do, you. They're like, you do mixed martial arts. And then they look at the size of me. And they're like, nah, they're like, nah. I'm, and then, like, they'll, like, provoke me into, like, us scrapping or whatever. It won't be anything yeah. real or whatever. It's just, it's just, it's just playful. But then, like, when they get had up and stuff, it's like, ah, oh, it's like, it's that, that, back down to reality. Yeah, yeah it's exactly. like. You get humbled. Yeah. I think that's the biggest key is, like, training, you know, in a gym with other people. You're getting beaten up. It humbles you. Yeah. You start to realise, like, wow. Uh, you know, compared to this this little guy here, he's you know twisting me up, or this old man is twisting me up. Do you know what I mean? And it humbles you. You you walk out and feel like, right, you know what? Let me just calm down. Like I'm not as bad as I thought I was. You know? Exactly. That's exactly what what it is. Mike Ekendaye, I have to say, it's been an incredible journey. Going back to the airlines, it's been an incredible journey. 
It's been an incredible journey. It's time that we actually land this po this podcast. By actually, no, it's time that we take off because um, it, we've come to the end. I'm afraid it's been an incredible uh, insight into your career, but particularly your mindset. Because I have to say, having watched you from the time that you were in UCMMA quietly, it's been it's been incredible to see your rise. And um, tell us again where, first of all, people can see you in July, um, your Twitter handle and where people can keep an eye on your journey. Yes, yeah, so I'm competing on Cage Warriors 95, July 21st at the Indigo, um, at the O2 Arena. And then, yeah, if you want to hit on my, show, my socials, that's um, E-K-U-N-D-A-Y-O Airlines on Instagram. <laughs> And E K U N D A Y O airline without the S is all long. It couldn't fit all fit in on Twitter. Yeah, so that's it on Twitter and Instagram. Incredible, Mike. Thanks for joining us this week. That about wraps up this episode of the Wocast. I've been Michael Morgan, and I've been Mike Stiggy, aka the voice of Chocolate Velvet Cake. Until next time, make some trouble. Bitches and bitches. <laughs>